Hey, thanks for joining us for the Missing Podcast. We're joined today by Luigi Shambarella. Uh, he is also uh, the guest for episode seven of this podcast, so he returns today to discuss his new album, Senses Initiated Lucid Dreaming. Uh, Luigi is a licensed and accredited hypnotherapist uh, working in the UK. He is also a guest trainer um, and outreach trainer for the Monroe Institute. Uh, you can find him online at TMI UK underscore Luigi. Uh, be sure to also follow us online. Uh, most of our social media handles are at Life. You can also follow me personally on Twitter uh, at Garrett H. Stevens. Uh, be sure to also check out our Patreon page. If you're into this content and want to see more of it, you can get some great uh, bargains on Hemisync products as well as some free merch. Uh, so be sure to check it out. Um, please share this up if you find it helpful. Uh, leave a comment. Uh, we'll try to get back to you. Hope you enjoy it. Luigi, thanks for joining us once again. Um, Pleasure. So it's been a while since we last spoke, a couple years really. And so yes. I decided it would be helpful for the folks listening to kind of briefly um, go into the various types of lucid dreaming before we kind of discuss what we're actually doing in this latest uh, album that we're putting out with you. Okay, yep, uh, good place to start. Um, so yeah, it has been a couple of years um, uh, since we did the Wake uh, Initiated or Wake Induced Lucid Dreaming album. Um, so to, to kind of give a general overview, uh, first of all, lucid dreaming is a dream in which you know you're dreaming while it's happening. So this isn't just a vividly remembered dream, but something that uh, you're conscious of while you're in it. And um, and this has kind of grown actually uh, a lot in in the last few years in terms of uh, the popular culture embracing it. So you, there's a lot more stuff out there about lucid dreaming and what you can do with it and the promise of a better tomorrow. And then people try the techniques and struggle a little bit. But, you know, some people um, to begin with uh, play around with the state. So they become conscious of their dreaming and they decide to fly or run around screaming and then the dream ends because they got all excited and then you repeat that process. Um, the typical way that people have lucid dreams is um, by waking up uh, during the dream because something just surprises them. So they're just going about their business, uh, a dinosaur comes in and they say, wait a minute, dinosaurs don't exist in this reality. So, oh, I'm dreaming and that surprise uh, uh, kicks open the lucidity and they go and do whatever they want um, or at least that's the idea that falls into what we call the dream induced or dream initiated lucid dreaming camp and that's the typical way that people um, lucid dream as I've just said and um, the reason why um, I wanted to put an album together which targeted the other camp which is the wake initiated uh, processes is because the uh, the dream induced methods are um, they're a lot more reliant on something happening in the dream to promote lucidity. So it's uh, a little bit less trainable than the wake initiated uh, methods because with the wake initiated methods you start from the waking state and by uh, giving your mind something to do as your body relaxes you can gently very gently lower yourself into the dream state without losing consciousness 
Mm. So it seems a more difficult method and it often is described that way. But with the technology that we're using, we can slowly guide the brainwaves closer and closer to the dream state anyway, and we can get the body to fall asleep quite quickly. So it just gives the mind a little bit more of a chance to notice where it is. Of course, it's something that needs to be practiced uh, because every day, every night that you're not practicing lucidity, you're practicing non-lucidity. So there isn't this kind of choice whether, oh, well, I'll do lucid dreaming practice tonight or not. When you're just falling asleep without any awareness, then you're training non-awareness in, in the dream and sleep states. So that's what the wake initiated methods are trying to do, to keep that thread of awareness uh, going. What it means is that there usually isn't such a big surprise when you become aware that you're dreaming because you're there while the dream's being constructed. So usually it's quite faint, it's vague, you might hear some things happening or sense something in your body, you get flashes of images and bit by bit the dream starts to build itself up. Whereas in the dream initiated um, um, scenarios you find yourself in a fully formed dream. Mm -hmm. Um, what that means, though, is that you have less control in a dream-initiated um, um, scenario because um, you're surprised in it. And so whatever plan you had, it might or might not work uh, because you're just distracted by the content. Whereas with Awake-Initiated, you can make a plan and go into it much more smoothly. And also, so, you know, you become aware during the dream, like just kind of the surprise and shock of it kind of destabilizes the dream when you wake up. Right? So it's not... Yep, it can do. And, and I would say, you know, use both. Use both because one is trusting the unconscious that it's going to come and help you out. And the other one is actually strengthening this mindfulness muscle that we can, we can use in the daytime that actually helps us in the daytime as well to be more present and uh, aware of what's going on around us that then we can take into the nighttime as well. So it's conscious, unconscious mind, both working together and sure. coming together in the, in the nighttime. So I'm not saying that one is better than the other. But one certainly, um, uh, the, the, the wake initiated has, I, I would say, more of a, uh, of a waking state benefit than the dream initiated methods, which the waking state uh, activity to promote uh, the dream initiated techniques require a lot of what we call reality checks. So things like pushing a finger through the hand or, um, you know, looking out for things called dream signs or things that are impossible in the dream. So every time uh, you, you notice a particular person who uh, uh, comes up in the dream, for instance, you would do a reality check in, in the daytime and so on. That does help a little bit with mindfulness in the daytime, but it very much has the goal of then um, uh, helping you to become lucid at night. And what we're trying to do here is build... Um, a, a sort of day and night uh, process of, of being more present, being more awake, being more aware. And, um, and that's why I, I tend to favor the, the awake initiated uh, methods, but they're the two broad camps. And then um, there's, uh, there's a sort of hybrid techniques, which is what uh, this one uh, that we're, uh, we're about to launch is. So, Fascinating. So this one is called Senses Initiated Lucid Dreaming. So, it is, yes. Yeah. And so we're once again kind of giving the, anal the analytical mind something to do as we're kind of accessing the hypnagogic state. Yes. Uh, but this time through sensing, through using you know, our sensory faculties, but kind of fine-tuning them. Yes. 
and um, you know, there's information coming in all the time through all of our senses. And, uh, and there's information coming in even when you're lying down with your eyes closed, trying to sleep. You know, just because you've got your eyes shut doesn't mean that your eyes stop working. What's happening is all of that information, all of that sensory information, the blackness behind your eyelids, the feeling of the, the bed underneath you, uh, any smells in the room, any sounds in the room are all coming in and they make their way into your brain. And, uh, and there's sort of like a sensory gate in the brain and a structure of the brain called the thalamus that kind of just says, is it important to send it up the chain of command? Yes or no. And if the answer is yes, then you become conscious. So what the heck's that creak? I'm conscious of it. Uh, Thalamus says that sound that was coming in is important. But, you know, much as uh, they've found all over the world, really, you know, people who live, I mean, at, like, for instance, I grew up near, a, uh, my, my, my original home was near a railway track. Mm. And I could sleep through trains going past all the time. Now, first of all, uh, you know, if anyone was sleeping over, uh, uh, they, would, they would hear uh, this and it would disturb them. But uh, then they just get used to it, you know, and, and this is what happens. I mean, you know, they've done studies in, the, in Cairo, for instance, and they say, how is it that with all this sound and markets and everything that uh, people can sleep? Well, again, the thalamus is trying to make sense of, of those external sounds and then says, is there a threat? Is there not? And if there isn't one, just go to sleep. It isn't important. Don't send it up the chain of command. So that information is coming in. Even the blackness behind your eyelids is coming in, which is why it's easy to wake somebody up if, um, if you say their name, for instance. That's an important salient thing. If you say fire, for instance, that person is more likely to wake up and so on. So the, the, there's a part of the brain always scanning, always aware of the external environment. And we can kind of hijack that mechanism to say, okay, what's going on in the different senses as we're falling asleep? Because it could be that some dream-like uh, information is already starting to make its way into one or another sense. And because lucid dreams are just so powerful and so impressive visually, we tend to bias ourselves to the visual uh, sensory input. But you're not using your physical eyes in a dream. So that's just one way that you can perceive. And what, what uh, I thought was missing, and certainly, you know, I mean, I haven't invented this technique. It's a technique that's been around for a very, very, very long time. It's just that we've never done it with this technology before and in this particular systematic way. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's a tried and tested technique. And, um, and what it does is it very quickly moves through the senses to see where the party's starting. You know, because we can be very obsessed with trying to see something. And actually, if you just notice what was happening in your uh, hearing or in, in your kinesthetic, your felt sense, your touch, you might notice that there were floating sensations or buzzing sensations or, you know, now you suddenly feel like you're the size of the room or something. It's like, whoa, if you're not paying attention, you wouldn't notice that. Yeah. So, so this is why um, what we do with the... With the um, the senses initiated technique is is to just cycle the senses very quickly you know you're not trying to hard stir or trying to hard hear or hard touch it's just very gentle move 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 and you mm -hmm. just keep bouncing around and you do it very quickly and you repeat that and you repeat that and slowly you start to extend the time that you're giving to each of the senses 
just to kind of allow your body to continue to relax and flow closer to sleep while the the uh the mind starts to generate the dream state right uh, yeah so you start with the dark canvas behind the eyelids uh, yeah you kind of turn the your uh the uh, listener's attention to the sounds uh, the yep. point of contact with you know whatever surface the body is resting on and the breath yes. then you start repeating these cycles who so ask the listener to repeat these cycles um and it almost reminds me of counting sheep because yes. you know you're, you're you're kind of giving the mind something to do but you're also fine-tuning the senses so that, you know, something is coming alive. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, so it's very interesting. And, you know, you sort of make the point that sensations may arise, and at first it might not seem like much, but then it becomes stronger and it slowly forms into a dream. Um, and I don't think most people have the experience of a dream developing that way so this might be new to them absolutely and this is why it's important to practice and practice and practice mm -hmm. with this um you know so um what one thing that i know is that it's it's important not to mess with your sleep too much mm -hmm. you know we, we've developed this faculty over a millennia um probably longer um and it's it's important that we use sleep to uh, recover to rest to let it do all its wonderful functions um, in the background. Mm -hmm. So this is something that uh, I wouldn't suggest putting on as you're going to sleep. Um, you can set the primer going because there is a primer track that will just set the intention for when you're going to use the main track. Um, but get some good rest. You know, this is something that normally what I do with this is I, I usually set the intention of going to bed just a little bit earlier. Yeah. So um, that will mean that you, you'll wake up earlier than you normally do. And so it'll just displace that, that sleep cycle just a little bit. But um, what it'll mean is that um, I will wake up during the night and you, you, can, you can prompt this a little bit. You know, you can have a big glass of water if you want before you go to sleep. Depends on your age, by the way. <laughs> I'm just going to say that as a big sort of disclaimer. <laughs> you know, if you find yourself waking up in the middle of the night needing the bathroom anyway, don't do the big glass of water right. thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I don't, I don't want to interrupt your night too much. This is the point. Look after yourself, work with your own rhythms. But the, the idea is that you've slept for at least four and a half hours, six hours. So that's three, four sleep cycles. That's got most of your delta refreshing, invigorating, deep sleep out of the way. Your physical recovery is taking place in that time. So now the next part of the night um, is going to be more REM rich. You're going to have a lot more dreaming going on in that, which is why we're targeting that area. Mm. Um, so it, it'll mean that not only do you become more lucid in that time, but you can do more with your lucidity. You know, if you the, the, the REM periods in the first half of the night, for instance, can last like five minutes. Yeah, you can become lucid, absolutely. But in five minutes, you're a little bit rushed to carry out your plan and so on. So, you know, let's target the ones that last about 30, 40 minutes, which are the ones uh, just before you normally wake up. So I normally get up, visit the bathroom. Obviously, that big glass of water really helps with that process. And then I stay up for about five or 10 minutes. And that's deliberate. I'm just trying to re-engage the frontal lobe that critical faculty of mind that's going to help me to recognize that I'm dreaming. I want to wake that up a little bit. So um, that 
might involve just just being up for five or ten minutes reading something um try not to read facebook feeds and other things that will might rile you up and right. don't look at the news yeah. <laughs> you know just uh, maybe read about lucid dreaming or um so, something like that you know just that that you can do uh or possibly something that you can do even with a bit of low light so that you don't wake yourself too much, uh, especially if you struggle to get back to sleep afterwards. So this is something that you'll have to play around with a little bit, mm -hmm. but then listen to the track, go back into bed, put yourself in a position that you normally don't fall asleep in. So for instance, I'm a side sleeper. So I would lie on my back with the headphones on um, just to start the process of uh, doing the cycling and the, the reason why I do that is because I don't want to fall asleep too quickly if, because I'm conditioned to fall asleep on my side. Yeah. So I just want to slow that process down. And this is what we're doing. We're slowing down the re-entry into sleep long enough for you to then take your conscious mind uh, with you into the dream as it's forming. Mm -hmm. And, you know, th this can be a little bit weird. If, if you've not had this before, dreams that are being built up are different to dreams when they're fully formed. Because dreams, when they're fully formed, yes, they can have total fantasy elements, but they kind of are like this, you know, in this waking reality, they yeah. have uh, gravity and whatever else, and I'm a body looking out into, into a world of objects and so on. Dreams that are being formed could do different things. They can distort perceptions in many, many different ways. Um, things that we call uh, hypnagogic imagery can arise. Um, so this is like, you know, patterns of light, webs, uh, blobs of things, flashes of an image, an eye looking at you, um, all kinds of weird stuff that don't really have any sort of cohesive narrative, you know? And when these happen, you might get excited. Ooh, whoa, what was that? Relax, keep uh -huh. cycling. You know, this is the bit that, that people uh, to begin with need to train themselves to, to do, which is notice stuff but without really engaging with it, being sucked into it too quickly, because that can either hold the state back or it can collapse it completely. So, and then you're really wide awake because of the excitement and so on. Relax, just keep going. And then it's bit by bit, they form more. Yeah, and so it seems like cycling through the, the uh, sensing practice as you're doing it in the exercise would be very helpful in maintaining that sense of calm and kind of staying with yourself and you know, absolutely wrapped up into you know, what is arising right there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, the track itself might sound a bit monotonous. <laughs> you know, it'll just say, it's like, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? What are you yeah. touching? Again, 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 again. They, right, okay, I've got it. But you won't. When you're in that space, you'll start drifting. You'll start thinking all kinds of weird and wonderful things. And th those prompts are just there to keep you on task. Mm -hmm. And then I'll shut up. Um, <laughs> which is also a wonderful thing. You know, my <laughs> wife tells me all the time um, <laughs> uh, to, to just allow you to then go at your own pace as well uh, through the cycle. Because of course, if things are happening and I keep interrupting you, then that's going to uh, collapse the state again. So um, work with me to begin with, but then go with your own guidance. You know, if things are building up, then go with that and, and gently prompt it a little bit more. Um, but what I normally say to people is don't, uh, try to engage with the dream until it's formed uh, a little bit more solidly, you know, that these images are taking place, these sounds are forming into soundscapes, that the, the sensation in your body isn't sporadic, but it's settled into some sort of rhythm. Then you can start to uh, use your imagination. And this is important. 
Yeah. Your imagination is really, really the key. It's, the, it's your vehicle for navigating the dream state, you know, because what else are you using? You're in imagined land and you, you use your imagination as, as, as the, um, the way of, of kind of uh, interacting with the environment because you're not using a physical body. And this is something that people tend to forget. They think, okay, now that the dream's starting, I'll try to get out of bed. There's no bed. You're in the dream and that's a dream bed with a dream body in it, observing dream things. So um, uh, use your imagination to move and interact with the dream. Uh, pay attention to what's called the false awakening. Uh, this is more and more likely with this type of technique. False awakenings being um, you dream about being awake in your bed and nothing happening and frustrated that this exercise hasn't worked and yeah. called Luigi's voice is annoying, etc., etc. Yeah. And then you actually get up to go to the bathroom and suddenly you're outside and you think, what yeah. the heck? And, and then you suddenly awake again. So this can become more and more likely as you cycle in your senses because where you're not paying attention, the dream has a canvas to project itself onto. Yeah. So that's another reason why we're cycling the senses because while you're paying attention to the physical sense, then in the visual modality, your dream can build more. So when you return to it, oh, there's something going on. And now in the auditory sense, it's got time to build up some sort of sounds some soundscapes and so on and in the physical sense it's just yeah. an opportunity to build so we're allowing uh, the, the 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 dream consciousness to project itself into the sense that you're not paying attention to um, which is also a wonderful thing to to do because what it means is when you do become lucid you'll be more immersed in it all of your senses will be online rather than which is something that some uh, lucid dreamers report um, which is that they see the dream, but they can't interact with it in any way. They don't have a body and they're just like a floating mind observing a dream state, which is nice. Mm -hmm. um, you can still interpret the dream and interact with it in other ways, um, but it's not as an embodied experience as maybe an experience when you use this type of technique because you're focusing on the body, the, the, the body sense uh, the hearing sense and uh, the visual, then when you're lucid in it, you'll have all of that with you. Yeah. So it makes it a more immersive experience. This is intriguing because it seems like we're really blurring the lines here between, you know, dreaming slash lucid dreaming and just kind of uh, uh, meditative transcendent practice in general, you know, and the types of experiences you can have in these expanded states. Um, and so folks that maybe you know, have a hard time um, putting on the headphones and, you know, listening to, a, to an exercise and finding that not much is happening. Um, this could be very helpful for them because they are leveraging also um, the types of imagery that comes up in the, in, in the uh, dream state and the uh, hypnagogic state and kind of marrying it with sort of a conscious meditative exercise, um, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and similarly, you know, folks that maybe don't have great dream recall, um, you know, they'll go to bed and they'll wake up and say, you know, oh, you know, nothing happened last night. You know, this is helping them to become more aware during these liminal states. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and as I said, it's practice, practice, practice. Yeah. This is, it's, it's slowing down that process that maybe uh, some of us have out of habit, which is just to uh, put your head on the pillow and just disappear. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the, the door is always open every single night. You know, we dream five or six times a night. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and so the, the, 
the target is pretty huge actually. Um, and so doing something like this isn't going to disturb your sleep too much. If it, if it does, then, then break off the technique for a bit. You know, I, I wouldn't say that this is something that you do rigidly. Yeah. Um, you know, be gentle with yourself and work with your own rhythms. If you're feeling fatigued, then give it a rest. And, but what it's doing is, as you're saying, that it's, it's really building up your mindfulness. Yeah. It's really building up your meditation practice and, and, uh, and utilizing the nighttime is utilizing your dream state. And also trust your dream consciousness that it will help you out. You know, there are greater parts of yourself, your inner self or total self, however you want to call it, that can give you a hand here. So th this is also something that you can set as some sort of affirmation before you go to sleep at night, that uh, you're paying attention and you would like some assistance with this particular technique or mm -hmm. um, um, have more awareness in the, in the nighttime. And, and bit by bit, you start to become more uh, complete in your practice rather than just having this very cognitive, conscious self trying to work it all out. Because if it could, it would have done it already. So what we're talking about here is, is uh, increasing a faculty that maybe we've ignored. And uh, certainly um, at the nighttime, you know, we're so used to just delegating everything to the unconscious without even knowing we're doing it, that here we're saying, hey, show me what you're doing, uh, you being your, your inner self. And that's interesting that you threw out five to six dreams per night, because when I journal, once I get up to about six dreams per night, I feel like I'm getting everything. And I don't know how I yeah. know that, but that's, that's what I feel like. Whereas if I'm, you know, jotting down two or three, um, I still feel like, you know, there's something that I'm missing and I'm trying to kind of like pull it out. Um, but um, it maybe just doesn't quite come, but yeah, five or six, maybe seven. And, you know, the dividing lines between when one dream stops and the other one begins is somewhat arbitrary, but that is where I feel like I'm, I'm Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, you know, you can also build that into whatever affirmation you give to your unconscious. You know, it's like, okay, if you've got a message for me, then present it to me in a way that I'll understand. Um, and dreams are incredibly patient. They will repeat the same message over and over for nights upon nights, for weeks on weeks, months yeah. on months if needed. You know, so if you've missed one, don't worry. It'll yeah. come to you in some other way. Your unconscious will change the scene. It was doing uh, the cowboy scene last time. Now it's going to do the Game of Thrones one. You know, it'll just change all the outfits and all the characters just to get the same message across to you. So, um, you know, th this is also another thing that we can do here. This isn't only about, um, and I'm glad you kind of brought that up there, Cara, this isn't only about lucid dreaming, but about raising your dream awareness in general mm -hmm. so that you know what's going on while you're uh, lying down for those seven, eight hours, nine hours uh, during the night. There's yeah. a load of information that's coming in that we often discount. And here you can bring more awareness to it. So you get fragments of things that actually build up pieces of a jigsaw that can actually yeah. be really useful for you. So you mentioned recurring dreams and your day job is as a licensed hypnotherapist, you know, working with clients. Um, yes. And so I'm wondering, you know, kind of how COVID has impacted that. Uh -huh. Like, you know, <laughs> as you mentioned recurring dreams, you know, this one dream that I keep having, you know, I wake up, I'm in a car with a bunch of other people, windows are rolled up and I suddenly realize nobody's wearing a mask. And I'm like, shit, no one's wearing a mask. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you driving? Are you the driver? No, I'm not though. I'm just a passenger. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so, uh, 
that usually wakes me up. But I'm just wondering what you're seeing with your, you know, in your day-to-day practice. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, so my day-to-day practice, yes, is is a hypnopsychotherapist. So I, I use. Uh, I'm a psychotherapist who sometimes uses hypnosis in my work, and yeah. um, and I, I use a, a lot of different uh, modalities uh, as an integrative psychotherapist. And um, dream work is is uh, one of the things that I utilize with certain types of clients because you know not everyone remembers their dreams, uh, not everyone wants to work with that. Some are very solution focused. You know they are very practical things, procrastination and that sort of thing. So I I, I just tweak the therapy to the client rather than the other way around um the covid situation has changed things i would say i've had a lot more clients with anxiety issues at this moment in time uh you've probably seen it with the sales of anxiety things and relaxation probably um and and i mean those tools are just excellent actually um you know not, not to do a big sales pitch or anything like that but um you know i've recommended things like deep 10 relaxation and and you know those types of, of tools just de-stress to uh, you know, sound sleeper, those kind of things, just to help people uh, do the basics uh, again, which have kind of been thrown out a little bit in this period, mm-hmm. um, because there's a lot of uncertainty, and that will show itself in the dreams. So uh, uncertainty can also arise in this idea of um, you know being in control of yourself and and your environment, uh, and what a wonderful metaphor being in a car full of people and not having control of the situation <laughs> and you're not the driver either you know so the, the key would be to sort of say okay what do i need in this moment in time to get myself back in the driving seat um so you know one of the things i like to do with my clients who would report a dream like that is to um to use imaginative play to actually place them back into that uh, dream scenario in the waking state and then uh, dream the dream on so you would uh, use your imagination uh, under hypnosis, but also in a very light trance um, to then take yourself back in the car, pull over, you get in the driving seat, drive on, everybody wears a mask, where does it want to go this this dream? And you might find some information about your current situation from that right. process. Um, so that so, is yeah. also a classic lucid dreaming technique, right? You wake up, yes. you kind of put yourself back in the dream. Yeah. Uh, abso- absolutely. I, I've got uh, some clients, or at least I had some clients who had recurring uh, dreams, uh, especially nightmares, um, because nightmares have kind of cranked up at this particular uh, time. Um, and nightmares really uh, as debilitating as, as they might seem and um, as difficult as they are to approach. Uh, or your dream's way of of highlighting that there's something that needs to be brought into integration in your life. Um, So because it's it's a part of you, it's a part of yourself kind of getting your attention in usually quite um, obvious, sometimes grotesque ways. And uh, and, and you're not going to forget that. You know, people, even with poor recall, remember nightmares incredibly well. Yes. The emotion is there, the, the, the sense in the body is there, what was going on, who they were with, the general feeling of, of, of dread or whatever it was, and they can remember it incredibly well. And then that actually creates a wonderful container and pattern for the dream to repeat um, because we don't want it. And so we're thinking about it and we're thinking about the thing we don't want. And by doing that, we actually create the conditions for it to repeat. Right. Um, which happens in physical life too. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so this is where um, 
you know, I haven't had a nightmare for maybe about 15 years um, because it was just such an easy way to become lucid. Mm. I'd, I'd have a nightmare. And first of all, it'd be like, oh my God, what the... And then I'd go, oh, great, a nightmare. Now I can really feel myself back in there. I can yeah. think about it. And when I become lucid in this, you know, what would I have noticed that would actually have helped me to realize that I was dreaming? Right. Because there's usually something ridiculous in that scenario that, that just isn't physically possible here. Right. Um, uh, you know, it could just be the environment itself, who you're with or whatever. So right. then I just think myself back there in the, and, and then uh, start to rehearse what it would be like to become lucid in that and what I would do next. And I would become lucid uh, falling back to sleep. So, you know, some parts of my unconscious went, no, no, that's just too easy for Luigi, so we won't give him any more nightmares now. Yeah. Um, but, but I also think that um, if you work with your dreams on a regular basis and start to integrate the messages that can arise in the dreams for your conscious mind to deal with, then nightmares are less likely to occur because you're kind of diffusing the situation as you're going along. It doesn't have to give you a big... Uh, message that really has to grab your attention because you're paying attention as you're going along. So um, nightmares are less likely to to occur with regular dream monitoring and regular dream practice. Um, so, um, but that that is definitely one of the benefits of lucid dreaming that you can uh, work with your nightmares and rather than escape from them, you stay in the dream and you say, okay, well, actually, you're a part of me. I don't feel particularly comfortable in here, but then I'm made of the same stuff as you are because this is all dream stuff. So what do you want to tell me, you know, about myself that I maybe don't know right now? And, That's uh, a great learning in general, because whether it's yeah. in the dream state or just, you know, in the expanded state, you know, putting on the headphones or physical life in general, we tend to want to avoid the fearful thing. Um, and the fearful thing is usually a teacher of some sort that needs to be worked with, oh, seen yeah. with impact. Um, and these non-physical realities are actually a very safe way of, or a very safe place to do that. Yes. And it's a simulated reality, the lucid dream. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we can really try out a lot of things that maybe we wouldn't feel so comfortable with in the waking state. Yeah. I've worked with clients who have problems with, uh, public speaking and they've rehearsed them in uh, lucid dreams. I've done that myself. Um, you know, that they've got some sort of big event coming up, uh, whether it's a sporting thing or, uh, a presentation uh, to a group, uh, um, just anything that you need to rehearse in, in physical reality. If you do it in the dream, you could do it in a, in a virtual reality, which, which is going to feel very similar to the waking state. Yeah. And so you, you, can, you can have the crowd that boos you. And you go, okay, I'm just going to sit with the booze and just feel what that's like, you know, and okay, that's my worst case scenario. Now, now I'm, I'm over that a little bit, or like people have used it for um, getting over phobias, you know, so they'll let a spider crawl on their hand and merge with them or something like that. Mm -hmm. and, and then it's like, okay, actually, yeah, I'm, I'm made of the same stuff. I feel comfortable with this. Maybe I don't want a tarantula crawling over my face, but I can happily be in a room with a spider, for instance. Yeah. Um, so this can also be that systematic desensitization, as they often uh, describe it in therapy, of allowing yourself to be with a thing that you're, you're afraid of. And then, you know, kind of say, actually, yeah, it's okay to be in the presence of that. I feel safe here. The worst case scenario is you wake up. Yeah. You know, and th that's that's about as much as it's going to get. You know, you can't be killed in the dream. 
Um, so, you know, forget what you might read in forums and everything like that, you know, <laughs> say, oh, if you die in the dream, you die in reality. This yeah. is an inception. Great yeah. movie. Not true. Yeah. Inception would have been, uh, you know, if it, if it was a real world scenario with, with, uh, with lucid dreaming, Inception would have been so much easier. You know, right. the, all this running around shooting, you just say, freeze all of that. Yeah. No one's shooting. Give everyone a hug. All the guards are hugged. Yeah. Integrated. Game over. End of film. Um, you know, it just wouldn't have made Hollywood. So, you know, forget that. Forget things like uh, Insidious and things crawling into your body. Um, you know, this is a totally safe space. Um, and I've been doing it personally for, uh, solidly for about 20 years now. Maybe just short. And Very good. And actually call it day, you call it day and night therapy, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I call my therapy. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And you know, because I, what 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 I found is that um, you know, with the with the work that I do with the Monroe Institute and with with, with the Hemisync tools and so on, is that we we spend a lot of time going in and building up the inner self and the inner resources, which are really vital. Um, and the, obviously, the, they're a wonderful resource. But what what I what I also um, in in the personal practice wanted to build up was this idea that your conscious mind can actually do lots of really cool stuff too. So let's build up the cognitive tools that can actually support the the unconscious tools, and then the whole thing becomes more conscious. So th this is um, you know kind of stretching, expanding the conscious mind to include some of the things that are happening automatically behind the scenes. And so the practices of the day can absolutely uh, focus on your cognitions and thoughts, behaviors, actions, and, and uh, belief systems and so on. And in the nighttime, we can also then start to gain, uh, first of all, better sleep, but actually then start to work with our dream states and so on um, so that we can um, understand maybe what's going on in the background a little bit more and how that helps us in the daytime. So there's this nice virtual cycle that, that can develop from that process. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Luigi, thanks so much for doing this album with us. Uh, folks, be sure to check them out online. Uh, Day and Night Therapy uh, at TMIUK underscore Luigi. And yep. uh, we'll see you guys next time. Take care. Thank you. Thank you.